Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're in the book of Exodus. That's where we're going to pick up at. It's the second book in the Bible, just in case you don't know, in the Old Testament. And we're at chapter 15. We're going to begin at verse 1. Let's see. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he's thrown into the sea. So they've just been rescued from slavery in Africa. That's the children of Israel. And uh, the oppressors, the people who enslaved them, were uh, drowned in the waters as they escaped through the same waters. Um, A miraculous event, supernatural event um, that rescued them from their oppression. Verse 2. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He's my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. So that may sound familiar to to you because uh, it appears again in the Bible, at least in part, in um, the book of Psalms, um, in a different sort of telling of the same uh, passage, uh, sort of the same praise given again in another place. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So now you have Moses and the company um, uh, equating God to a man. And if you check out other religions, you'll see that it's it'll make more sense to you when you see what words were translated to be the word Lord throughout the Old Testament. And if you do that, you'll see, and you can use different websites that'll do it for you, like ones we've read from but here before. Um, you'll see that the word Lord is translated from many different names, many different words, so it's probably pointing to many different quote-unquote gods, not all the same one. And you can tell that by the different temperament attributed to the same God throughout the Old Testament in particular. Um, So they were saying the God there is a God of war. Um, Verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he is cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. So um, he's just, uh, they're giving praise, rejoicing, singing over the fact that the people who chased them ended up drowned in the same waters that were their uh, rescue. Verse 5, the depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. So again, that the their pursuers drowned in the same Red Sea. Or as uh, some scholars believe it is the Reed Sea, um, pointed to an area, a, a, a body of water that they passed through on their way out of Egypt towards their uh, so-called promised land. Um, but they had to go through the water first. Uh, verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. So he's acknowledging God's might in delivering him, them, and crushing their enemies. Verse 7, and in the greatness of your excellence, you've overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. So again, it seems to have been an exhibition between which deities, which entities, which uh, Lord that people are worshiping will conquer. Will it be the Lord who the slaves, enslaved people have embraced to their freedom? Or will it be the same entities, powers, lords that the um, enslavers uh, call God and Lord in their religion, which, as we went over before, is um, you know includes magicians, so magic. Uh, let's see. 
Verse 8, and with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods were gathered. The waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. So they're saying, he's saying according to their own description of what happened was that the waters actually stood up like a wall of water, like you would see if you're going through an aquarium. Or under an undersea tunnel like that, where the waters are miraculously standing up on their own without any sort of parting other than the Lord's breath and will that they stand up like a wall. Verse 9, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. So he's saying the enemy was uh, full of himself thinking all the different evil things they were going to do once they overtake and capture the slaves they had set free. Verse 10, you blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. So saying even though the enemy was uh, enraged and had all sorts of thoughts and plans for what he was going to do, they were going to do with them with their slaves once they recaptured them. The Lord saw fit to set them free and let them drown in the water with the wind sent from above. Verse 11, who's like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? So he's asking uh, rhetorically, I think, God, who else is like you? Lord Almighty, who's able to do what you can to make the water stand up, to overthrow the enslavers and also destroy them in their pride and wickedness in chasing the slaves they'd set free to put them in bondage again? Verse 12, you stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. So again, the waters uh, drowning their enemies as they pursued them. 13, you and your mercy have led forth the people whom you've redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. So um, he's giving God praise again for the leading them out of slavery and guiding them to uh, a place already predetermined, although they haven't gotten there yet. Um, verse 14. Well, actually, I guess there's several places along the way that have been predetermined for them. So actually it has. Verse 14. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. So he's saying word's going to spread. The news is going to go far and wide that the people were rescued from their slavery and the people who enslaved them are destroyed. And it's going to spread even to the area where they're intending to go, the promised land, Philistia. Palestine, the Holy Land, Israel, that area of the world in modern times. Verse 15, then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. So they're saying once word does get back to Canaan, the area where they were before the famine, before they immigrated to Africa, says once word gets back to them of the Lord's hand in rescuing them, it's going to cause all the people there to be filled with fear of the them and the God they serve. 16, or at least the God who's leading them, because they don't always seem faithful in service. Verse 16, fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. So he's saying the people there where they're heading are going to be still. They're not going to be throwing fits about the arrival of the 
the uh, children of Israel. Once they hear the news about how God rescued them, instead they're going to stand in silence and recognize in awe where the power is, who the power is with. Um, Verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. So um, he seems to be speaking uh, thinking forward, uh, forward thinking about, um, looking forward to a place that's going to be set up as their area of worship for the Lord in the place where they're going, that he believes God is leading them to that promised land. Verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. So uh, acknowledging God's uh, power to rule for always. Verse 19, for the horses of Pharaoh went, in, went with his horse, we start again. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So just recounting again God's power in rescuing them while destroying their enemy. Verse 20. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels, and with dances, so timbrel is obviously a musical instrument. I would it sounds something like a tambourine, but it I don't know. But she's taking it in her hand to also give praise. Verse twenty one. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he's triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he's thrown into the sea. So she's decided to use uh a rhyming verse to add to the song that they're singing and rejoicing in and it's uh, repeating basically the first line of what he said in the first place in this song as it's called of Moses praising God for his power and uh, and in overthrowing their enemies with the same sea that was used to rescue them verse 22 so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So they've escaped from Pharaoh chasing them. The waters took care of him. Or the Lord used the waters to take care of their pursuers and gobble them up. But now they're out in the wilderness, the desert as it were, and they aren't finding water. So um, they were water was used to rescue them. Water was used to destroy their enemy. And now water is what they're seeking um, and thirsting for. Verse 23, now when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. So apparently the word Mara, M-A-R-A-H, translates to bitter. So that's why they call it that. And when they say bitter, I guess they mean it's like how Florida and other places have um, water that is um, heavy in sulfur. It's safe to drink, but it smells awful. So apparently the water they've encountered, um, yeah, I don't know if even it's even safe to drink if they're saying it's bitter. So it's undesirable water that they don't want there. Verse 24, and the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So of course, they're thirsty. Water was their rescue. Water was their avenger. But now water is in scarcity and they're wondering, what are they supposed to do? Verse 25, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. So I'm not sure what ordinance and statute it is that's being made there. Uh, but 
the test seems clear to see whether or not the people are, how long the people are going to be faithful, even after all the miracles and deliverances and after the rejoicing they were just doing, once they hit a bump in the road, not able to find water, which is severe and which is, uh, which is important. Um, uh, it's understandable if you can't find water and you're in the wilderness and the desert, of course, that's going to come to mind immediately. Not so much the rescues you've already experienced. So um, I guess that's what it means by testing them. Verse 26 and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I'm the Lord who heals you. So I think that is, if you look at what Lord who heals you, I think the Lord translated there goes back to Jira. Uh, maybe it's, uh, yeah, I think it's Jira. It's uh, one of the names attributed to the Lord in the Old Testament. But it, look at what it's saying. It's, it seems to be offering a contract that if they'll be faithful and um, diligent, with their faithfulness to God, then in exchange, God will keep them safe and sort of immune from the diseases that were put on their oppressors. Um, verse 27, then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. So, um, oh, I forgot to mention. So they put water, they put that tree in the water. I'm not sure what kind of tree it is. If it was miraculous or if it's sort of a tree that is good for purifying waters, which, you know, trees and plant life are good for purifying the air. It's sort of what they do. I imagine there was probably some that they knew of back then that could do the same for the waters. But whatever the case may be, they used the tree and their waters that were bitter and made them sweet. I presume that means able, you know, drinkable, potable, as they say on Jeopardy. And if not, um now they've run into uh, 12 wells of water which presumably were drinkable or potable so they're feeling more content now not as terrified that they're in the wilderness in the desert with no water to drink and um, speaking of water that actually ends this refreshing drink hopefully it was refreshing for you this um this reading ends here. We made it to the end of this chapter. I appreciate you checking it out with me. And as always, I hope it was a blessing for you. And I hope you'll join me again. We have our Old Testament readings like this one on Mondays and Wednesdays at random times. And then Saturday nights at random time also, we um have our um gospel reading where we see what Jesus has to say. Because believe it or not, even if you're a Christian, especially if you're a Christian, the Bible only has six books in it that talk, that have anything that has Jesus's words in them. So it seems to me that's a significant clue for us as to what we should use as our roadmap, our compass to our own Christian walk in, uh, towards salvation. Um, so um, join me for those readings. If you like, you can see past readings or hear them on this platform while they last. Or if you're an adult, you can go to my website. It's my platform while it lasts, hungtgirl.com. It's free to go there. You can see the videos by clicking the pictures. You can find out about me by clicking the links, body, mind, spirit, and soul. And you can see those and hear those past readings of the Naked Truth with the Gospels on the Spirit and Soul pages where we focus on 
um, what Christ has to say. Because it turns out what he has to say is generally very different than what the rest of the Bible, what churches, or what I myself even thought um, would have to say. Um, so that's what we focus on. Feel free to join me for those. And in the meantime, please stay safe. Love your neighbor. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. God bless you. Thanks again and peace to you. See you next time.